We're in a situation where we have put together, and you guys did, did it for our administration, the President Obama's administration before this. We have put together, I think, the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud organization in the history of American politics. I don't care if you think I'm Satan reincarnated. The latest on an alleged plan to assassinate Donald Trump. This man grabbed by police at a packed rally in Las Vegas and ABC's Pierre Thomas has new details in Washington. Weighing up the mood of conservative America in a gun show in West Virginia. Among the rifle racks and ammunition, there's anger and dark talk of looming conflict. We are witnessing a radicalization of libertarians all across the country. Dear viewers, we have just received word that Libertarian Death Squad is taking over. We have come to take our country back. He also worries that civil war could be on the way back. Her son, 19-year-old Horace Lorenzo Anderson, was shot and killed inside the then cop-free zone that persisted for weeks on Capitol Hill. Over of Afghanistan now inevitable? No, it is not. It's taken just four weeks for that statement to be proved so spectacularly um, and alarmingly wrong. Reality, thousands of miles away, is now on him. China is urging its not to travel abroad it struggles to contain the virus. We will be standing up Christmas Island as a quarantine. Joe Brandon, I agree. Hey, by the way, China are you an now banned from entering the country. Christmas Island today declared that the coronavirus Name three things that don't hang themselves. That's what the American people think. It's official. Thousands of writers are now on strike, bringing Hollywood to a halt. And if you remember from last time, this could drag on for a while. Tia Ewing is in Studio 32 with the latest. Tia. Well, Don and Corey, the longest strike was in 1988, and it lasted for 153 days. And let's talk locally. The shy Chicago Fire, Med, and PD, all shot right here in Chicago, aren't being impacted by the strike. But you may be watching reruns if you like late-night TV. Writers picketing outside of Netflix. The Writers Guild of America says the biggest issue remains streaming content, claiming despite record profits, writers make less money and work under strained conditions. How we're paid for the content we create that earns these companies billions, $30 billion a year in profit every year. Um, all we're asking for is a reasonable cut of that so that our members can pay their rent, 
buy a house, raise a family. Late night shows at ABC, NBC, and Comedy Central will begin airing reruns immediately. Your favorite soap operas will be next to halt production, followed by some film sets. A longer walkout could disrupt shooting this summer for the fall schedule and potentially put thousands out of work. Streaming series are half the length. They're typically 10 episodes of a network series, but more writers are drawn into the system because they're more serious. So you have more writers, but less work for them to do. There's a basic mismatch in the labor market. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, the Trade Association, that bargains on behalf of studios and production companies said it presented an offer with, quote, generous increases in compensation for writers as well as improvements in streaming residuals. Hopefully both sides can come together because it affects a lot more people than just the writers in the studios. Contracts for both the Directors Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA, the Actors Union, expire in June, meaning the writer's strike could just be in the beginning stages. Don, I'll send it back to you. All right, Tia, thank you. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. Now, there's a good old motto. Some people say, those who don't know history are doomed to repeat it. Now, I would argue the counter is, history doesn't repeat itself. It rhymes. And like we saw in 1998-1996-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2008-1997-2
that its 11,500 screenwriter members in California, New York, and other cities will refuse to work after the union and studios failed to agree on a new three-year contract after their current one-year expired just after midnight. Yeah, buddy. Uh, Fuck you. And also, fuck the... Don't get me wrong. Fuck your bosses while I'm at it. The thing I don't like about this, right... A lot of these, a lot of these union guys, they don't give a fuck. They just show up, go to work, and then they're like, "Oh, what? We're picketing today? Oh, we're protesting? What's wrong? Oh, oh, okay." And then they just show up and fucking yeah, bah, 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 bah. now there are some who have genuine gripes. Now I'm all for like if like, like back in the good old days, you had you and a bunch of coworkers, and you're like, "You know what? This job sucks. We're all just going to bounce." All right, cool. Everyone with me? Cool. Let's go. Then you just bounce. Now. You have this asshole, this greedy fuck who's sitting at the top of a corrupt po- uh, corrupt ladder they've built called... Like, let's, look, I'm from the Maho area, which is like the Michigan, uh, Michigan, Ohio area. Because I bounce between the two constantly. So I'm from the Maho area. Now, the UAW is huge in Michigan and parts of Toledo. At least the parts of Toledo, I, uh, parts of like Toledo and Ohio that I go through. Perrysburg or some... I think there's... Anyway, moving on. But the UAW had a specific teenster outfit in Detroit that was very specifically corrupt. Uh, Jimmy Hoffa, look into him. Don't have time to go into the rabbit hole here. But all these unions are super duper fucking corrupt as far as I can tell. They take your money and they give you no real benefits for it whatsoever. You pay your dues and that's it. That's fucking it. I have a buddy of mine, he uh, he works at, uh, I, I will not name, but he works at, at an automotive assembly line. He wasn't union, now with right to work, say, dead in Michigan, he has no choice, but he wasn't union, he was just busting ass, and he actually got chewed out by a decent handful of his co-workers who were all in the union saying that if you work that hard, homie, we're all gonna have to work that hard, union says we don't have to work harder than X, we don't have to work harder than this. But if you keep working like that, boss is going to tell the union that we have to work like you. And that makes a problem for us. And same thing with this. Let's say you're in the union, but you don't have a problem with your working with your work environment. Now, mind you, this is in three states. These are Netflix writers. We'll get into that, too. These are writers from TV, cable, Netflix, streaming services. These are writers from every angle of it. And they're mad that streaming services are making more and more money while they're making the same wage as they used to. I have to tell you, you're doing the same amount of work. Servers cost money. There's a lot of cost that goes into running a streaming service, homie. And you're doing the same amount of work. That's kind of what it all boils down to with the union guys. Hey, Pinko, you're doing the same amount of work. I don't care if the company is making more money. Oh, fucking well. So fucking be it. It's also going to be taxed out the ass anyway. Just because the company itself makes money doesn't necessarily mean the CEO is raking in all the cash. We seem to have this misconception where we think we see a company's net profit and we assume that that's what the CEO is taking home. CEO is not taking that home. CEO is taking home a large sum because they are running the ship. If you are running the company, you have more responsibilities and more tasks and more things you have to do on a daily basis than the average employee. So you get a bit more of the cake. Meanwhile, the government's also going to take a lot more of that cake from you anyway. So I really don't get what these fucking pinko pseudo-soshis really want to cry about, but I don't give a fuck about their Bolshevik bullshit. I really don't like unions. I have a deep-seated, a, a, 
not hatred, but disdain for it. Uh, I, I, I know people who are in the union who hate it. I know people who are in the unions who seem to love it. But when I ask people who hate it, they can go in all day about why they hate the union. I ask people who love the union why they're, why they're in the union. We have picnics. I shit you not. Well, there's some benefits. Like what? Well, you know, like, I can work five hours but get paid eight hours. Oh. So if you work five hours with the extra three hours... Oh, not my problem. And that's also another thing. It it really creates the not my problem attitude amongst employees because, oh, well, blah, blah, blah. It's all of our problem. Like, it instantly goes from that rugged individualist to that our collectivist bullshit. And by the way, hey, union guys, how how are, how's the collective myocarditis across all your warehouses? Just asking you questions right now. How many of your unions stood up and fought against the vaccine mandate? Saying that you should have the right to have bodily autonomy. I'll wait. What? Fucking none of them stood up for your rights? To have bodily autonomy? Ah, damn. But hey, I'll tell you what, union guy. When your boss comes and says, hey, vote for this guy. You're going to do it, aren't you? Now, not all union people. Like, again, I know people who are in union who fucking hate it. I just... They have they have served their point in history in this country, and they need to fuck off. During the Great Depression, you know, centralized leaderships with individual workers within an America that was ran very differently. You know, the Constitution was a little bit more than a uh, you know a little dust collector on the bookshelf. Back then, the government worked differently, and people it was a different country as a whole. So people collectivizing at work, saying we're not going to do this anymore. Fine. It got us. It got us through and out of the Great Depression. Well, World War Two did. So if you don't have that argument, that's also that argument. But actually, Windigoon, not Windigoon. Um, Alternative History Hub has a great video all about uh, the Great Depression and World War Two and the economy uh, being saved by a combination of both. It's an interesting video. If I can find it, I'll link it. That being said, let's just get right back into it. I got a little sidetracked. The Writers of America announced that as love and screenwriters. As a result, Jimmy Fallon's The Tonight Show, The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, Jimmy Kimmel Live, and A Late Night with Seth, and Ma- with Seth Myers have all been shut down. Praise the Lord! The board of directors at WGA, who voted unanimously to call for Hollywood's first strike in 15 years, claimed that the leading companies have made it difficult for writers to hold down a steady job. Quote, companies' behaviors have created a gig economy inside a union workforce. Uh, wrong answer. That's the problem right there, homie. Again, I'm not a fan of these corporatist fucking mouthpieces. I don't like CBS. I don't like Netflix. I don't like Netflix airs fucking cuties and bullshit like that. I don't like Netflix. I don't like any of the things to do with Netflix. Now, what's interesting here is unions go into your workplace. This is what the, the union equivalent is to. It's like going into somebody's apartment. And you look around their apartment and you go, you know what? I really don't like your fucking apartment, so I'm going to rearrange it. And when they're like, no, you're not. You're like, yeah, I am. And I'm going to rearrange it because my five homies who have nothing to do with this situation all agreed that we should rearrange your apartment. So we're going to rearrange your apartment. There's nothing you can do about it. It's ridiculous. Unions are laughable on their fucking face. 
call for Hollywood's first strike in 15 years. I mean, I'm all for it. It stalls the whole process. Everything quits working, but at the same time, it's not a union workforce. It's whoever owns the fucking company's workforce. And if the company owner or board of directors, whoever the fuck owns it, whoever the big cheese is calling the shots, that's who runs the company. That's who owns the employees. If you don't like it, quit. Go wherever you want. That is your right. If you choose to remain an employee, you choose to work under these conditions. And the way you say you don't like these conditions is by, <gasps> say it with me, folks, quitting. Fucking off. Taking your talents elsewhere. Because if you are good at your craft, guess what? You will find work. But if you're not good at your craft, guess you have to hone it or find a new skill. Sorry. It's kind of just how the them breaks fucking play out. But it's not the union's workforce. If the boss wants to hire people through through gig economy, like that's usually what I do. You know, like Uber, DoorDash, these kinds of apps are, are uh, gig economy. So this might be some kind of, kind of <clears throat> you know, hiring app temp service for this kind of line of work. Good. They found an effective way to employ people. And by the way, the people who do the temp slash gig economy thing, they have more vertical freedom going forward because they make their schedule. And these union guys are about to be really outnumbered because they all joined the union. Most of them were because they were like, oh, look, hey, bud, I'm in the union. You should join the union too, man. We get donuts on Fridays. Fuck off. Absolutely fuck off. Quote, big gig economy side of a union workforce and their immovable stance in this negotiation has betrayed the commitment to further devaluing the profession of writing. I just hear the trumpet guy. Fuck you! I just hear that guy in the back of my head. The WGA said in a statement, quote, From their refusal to guarantee any level of weekly employment in episodic television to the creation of day rate hmm. in comedy variety to their stonewalling on the free work of screenwriters and AI, AI. Mm, okay let's touch on that homie I was already thinking about this and on AI for all writers they have closed the doors on their labor force and opened the door to willing or open the door to writing as an entirely freelance profession. Good! Good. Fuck you. You don't deserve work. Because you can't have... What? Can you not maintain a job on your fucking talent alone, you fucking whelp? Not to be a dick here, but is that the issue? You need a whole fucking gaggle of gooks behind you in order to make you fucking feel like a tough guy so you can keep your fucking job? Homie. If your talents alone don't make you fucking qualify for your job or you can't get, maintain your job alone or rise in the ranks on your talent or merit alone, then you have one or two options. Either look inside yourself and be like, is it me? If it's not you and it's just the company fucking stonewalling you, leave that company. Go elsewhere. When you talk to your new boss, be like, look, this is what happened at my last company. And as you can see, I left that company. And I'm here now. Well, Jim, that doesn't work. Well, you haven't tried it, apparently. Go try it. Next time you get a job, be like, look, there's some issues I have with my last boss. I want to just address them with you. Will be an issue here. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Now, at the same fucking time, AI, right? Oh, by the way, you're, compl- you're complaining about them being f- entirely freelance profession? Yeah. 
Freelancers, and here's another thing. If you were freelancers, you would keep more of your money. Because you wouldn't have union dues to pay. Dues that constantly fluctuate. And especially in an inflationary economy like this one, where your money's basically meaningless anyway, do you really want another group coming in and taking more of your fucking money and not representing you? How many of these guys, you want to interview them, could actually tell you why they're picketing? Like, in detail, and we'll have the answers for you. How many of them? And let's talk about this little AI thing here. AI. Wow, AI. AI can write whole shows and movies. Like, here, check this out. Like, we'll just watch this one real quick. And AI made every inch of this trailer. From the music, to all the art you see, to the motions and the animations. And AI made that. We're going to watch this, and we're going to talk a little bit about what this means. In a galaxy far, far away, prepare for a reboot like never before. This summer, Wes Anderson brings you a side of the Star Wars universe you've never seen before. The Galactic Menagerie. Join this ragtag crew of unlikely heroes as they navigate the absurdity of the cosmos, challenge the Empire, and redefine what it means to be a rebel. Our mission is simple. We steal the Emperor's artifact, save the galaxy, and maybe find ourselves along the way. For this mission, we'll need lightsaber, blaster, thermal detonator, paper airplanes, spare parts, and R2-D2. With a star-studded ensemble featuring the galaxy's most eccentric cast, the Galactic Menagerie is the most delightfully offbeat Star Wars adventure yet. Starring Timothy Chalamet, Scarlett Johansson, Edward Norton, Bill Murray, Jeff Goldblum, William Defoe, Adrian Brody, and Owen Wilson. Wow. Coming to theaters this time, <coughs> may the force be with you. Okay, so hear me out. We're at this point, right? And now you're thinking to yourself, oh, that's a fun little gimmick. That's entertaining. That's delightful. That's charming. That's <laughs> I think it's a little terrifying, personally speaking. But not as terrifying as he's not quite. See, the issue with these with these protesters right now is they're having a hard time getting the big picture because they're working with such a little screen, as my grandma would say in the nicest way imaginable. Now, AI wrote, made the music, made the art, made the animation, made all every every bit of it. Even the voice was AI generated for that ad. And this particular channel, uh, there's a f quite a few AI. Just uh, you know. Different AI movie trailers out there you can go watch. They all have the same function. And with that in mind, right? With that in mind, these writers go on strike. Guess what? Bitch, you get McDonald. You know what McDonald means? These fucking things. Remember when McDonald's employees started crying every other year about how we want we want eight dollars an hour. We want ten dollars an hour. We want fifteen. Eventually McDonald's replaced them. Now there's like bare minimum a handful of employees who this is their first job and they're not going to bitch about what they got to do. And they're underworking. These, these kiosks take all your orders. Get them going. And the conveyor belt and everything in the back already start the cooking process. Humans do bare fucking minimum. They package up the food. And that's for now. McDonald's are really talking about rolling out equipments that can, uh, you know, cook the food, bag it up, tag it, and check you out. Anything that's bad, Amazon, for example. And then, you know, this is what I'm talking about right here, too. Not only do you have fast food joints that, that, that replace you with these little kiosk things, you even have stores that just skip it all together. Because who the fuck needs a cashier, right, folks? Have you seen this? Four years ago, we started to wonder, 
What would shopping look like if you could walk into a store, grab what you want, and just go? Uh, I've been to Portland and I've also been to California, so I, I think I know exactly what it looks like. As long as it's under about $2,000, you're all set. What if we could weave the most advanced machine learning, computer vision, and AI into the very fabric of a store so you never have to wait in line? No lines, no checkouts, no registers. Welcome to Amazon Go. Use the Amazon Go app to enter. Then put away your phone and start shopping. It's really that simple. Take whatever you like. Anything you pick up is automatically added to your virtual cart. If you change your mind about that cupcake, just put it back. Our technology will update your virtual cart automatically. So how does it work? We used computer vision, deep learning algorithms, and sensor fusion, much like you'd find in self-driving cars. We call it Just Walk Out Technology. Once you've got everything you want, you can just go. When you leave, our Just Walk Out technology adds up your virtual cart and charges your Amazon account. Your receipt is sent straight to the app, and you can keep going. Amazon Go. No That's interesting, because I already have a, I already have a thing kind of like that where I don't use a card or anything to pay for. It's called a five-finger discount, bitch. No checkout. No, seriously. Now, they have, I think they only have about 15 of these locations since this is rolled out, but still, my point being is, if we already have AIs that can, you know, for example, write entire movie trailers, we already have, you know, entire scripts written, we have AIs writing entire, you know, fucking funny videos with Joe Biden, Obama, and Trump playing video games together and shit. These writers can and will be replaced by fucking machines. And going forward, all they'll need to do is hire a bare minimum of humans to read through what the machines type up just to make sure it sounds more human, you know, a little bit more grammar, sense, you know, sentences make a little bit more sense, so on and so forth. And that's it. That's fucking it. And then you got, like, and if you, if you think I'm, you think this is bad, look at this. Even actors are replaceable. Look. Bruce Willis made history as the first Hollywood star to sell the rights to allow a digital twin of himself to be created to use on screen. While the digital twin of Willis was created by a deep fake company, Deep Fake, uh, Deep Cake, to be used in advertisements for Russian telecom company Megaphone, Deep Cake does not own, it, does, it says, goes on to say, does not own likeness. But... This is just one step away. In a couple years, oop, wrong story. In a couple, in a couple years from now, how much of this is going to be AI? AI is going to be one of those things right now. It's going to shake up the entire system. We're going to be all like scared, like what happened? What, what goes on here from here? And in ten years from now, we're going to be like, huh? Okay, well, you know, we've adjusted. TLDR: All these fucking yokels are replaceable. Every single fucking one of them. This little protest means nothing. Whereas if they would have gone individual stayed independent or gone as an independent contractor, they would have made more money. They wouldn't be as worried about not making as much money. Now, I'm not saying, if you know you deserve more money, act like it. If you can't get it, go somewhere and negotiate that. But you also, part of getting what you know you're worth is negotiating for what you're worth. It's a big part of it. Sound like a top G right now in a Bugatti. Quote, from the refusal to guarantee any level of weekly... <clears throat> Employment, episodic, AI, freelance. Such a goofy fucking complaint. 
On the opposite side of the table, the trade association representing the major studios and production companies, the Alliance of Emotion Pictures and Television Producers, AMTP, AMPTP, said it offered writers generous increases in compensation as well as improvements in streaming in uh, streaming residuals. I absolutely believe them. And I norm- I would never fucking say this. I would never say this. But I honestly believe them. We just are dealing with a particularly entitled, spoiled, brat class of individuals. The Alliance, which bargains on behalf of major players, said it was open to improving its offer, quote, but was unwilling to do so because of the magnitude of other proposals still on the table that the Guild continues to insist upon. Remember when they were called the Film Actors Guild and they didn't like being called FAG? So they became the Screen Actors Guild and then they started being called SAG and then like all their fucking senior citizen members became geriatric. So everyone started saying SAG, referring to like the fucking jowls on them. And then they got mad about it again. Fucking pussies. An overwhelming majority of writers represented by WGA voted to authorize a strike with 98% in support and just 2% against. And those 2% who go to work, they're probably going to get rewarded for going into work and continuing to work, but they're going to get punished by the media who care to write about them. And they're going to be punished by their fellow employees. Mind you, the same employees will be punishing them, saying, don't cross the picket line, man. Don't cross the line, man. Swear to God, bro. These same fucking people, right, are going to treat that employee like shit, dog them, harass them, and then turn around and be like, I'm doing this for for my coworkers, for my employees, and for my colleagues I stand with. Fuck you. And everything you fake assholes stand for. Prove me wrong. I've never seen a reason to, to, to give any of these people the benefit of the doubt. And at the same time, I don't give the company the benefit of the doubt either. Now, I know I'm like, oh, well, I, they probably did fucking give them the negotiation. And I say that because these media companies are absolutely owned and pocketed by them. But now, it seems like they're telling these, comp- telling these strikers to go kick fucking rocks. They're, they're like, well, we'll negotiate, but we already have some generous terms on the table, and you're refusing to talk about it. We don't know who these terms are. Maybe they're bullshit. Maybe they're dog shit. We don't know how bad these terms are or how good they are. We just don't. But at the same time... Why aren't they talking about it? The last time Hollywood writers went on to strike was in 2007. I almost said 2007. The work stoppage lasted 100 days and its effects reverberated beyond the movie and TV business. It did. I remember. A lot of movies got delayed. Today, streaming services have completely changed the industry and WGA said the old system for how screenwriters are compensated, including for residuals, needs to complete, be completely revamped. But if you're doing the same amount of work, and the work you're doing is not tied to the distribution of these products, then shut the fuck up. I, I, I'm just so curious. Why, if you're not doing more work... Why do you deserve more pay? Now, if you're doing the same amount of work, but you're doing your, your, your same amount of work extremely well, sure, ask about a raise. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. I don't know. But you're the ones out here throwing a fit, and there's 2% of you who seem to be very happy with it. And my personal experience with union workers is it tends to be a little bit hive-mindish. 
and especially with how much of the left influences have always been seeped in it and how the modern day left is nothing more than a fucking parasitic yeast farting itself to death in a jar well doesn't seem like the collectivist nature has really gone out the window like look at this guy this guy right here he looks like a fucking simpsons character doesn't he he has the fucking barney smile <laughs> i'm in danger uh serious streaming platform uh, let's see the guild claims that showrunners uh, showrunners for the series on streaming platforms earn just 46% of the pay that showrunners on broadcast series are paid and no longer benefit from after production compensation like syndication and international licensing. This seems like such a weird thing. Like, you don't, you don't own the fucking intellectual property. Just because I work at Burger King and I make the Whopper doesn't mean I own the intellectual rights to the Whopper because I made the Whopper. Just because you drew Bart Simpson doesn't mean you own Bart Simpson. Just because you fucking produce a WGN doesn't mean you are WGN. Just because you produce for ABC doesn't mean you are ABC. You fucking goofball. You goober. Today, and complaining... And by the way, you take... You earn just 48%? You know that's just under half, right? That seems extremely fucking generous. Especially when you labor in the cost of... Equipment, building, rent, leasing, uh, employment, insurance. All the other things are, are, are assumed in the net wealth... Or, or, or in the net profit that go into keeping the business up and afloat. The company is pocketing less than 50% of the income when you factor in all the expenses of running these companies. So it seems like you're a little... I don't know, man. You are just a few numbers off from 50% of the pay and you're demanding more? All right, tax the rich until they are rich no more, right? About half of the writers are being paid minimum rates, roughly 16% increased from 10 years ago. I don't believe in minimum wage laws. I don't think minimum wage laws should exist. Because let me ask you a question. Look, let's say there's there's a burger. There's two burger joints, right? One burger joint is paying you five dollars an hour. The other one's paying you ten dollars an hour. Which one are you going to choose? Ten dollars an hour. Bam! Right off the bat. Now, why are they charging ten dollars an hour? And why, why is one paying ten dollars an hour? And the other one's paying five. Maybe five is a little bit more of a sloppier joint. The employer doesn't care so much. It's a baby's first job. Who knows? But that's the wages. So you choose where to work, pay, and what you do with your pay slash your money. What you do with your money is consent. You consent wherever your money goes. You consent to that company, its values, what it stands for, and what it does, because your money equals your consent. And if I have a company, it's like, oh, I'm treated like shit here, right? I'm making $6 an hour here, but I'm treated like shit, and there's this company over here paying me $4 an hour. You know, scratch that. Let's do a little bit more realistic, right? There's a company paying $10 an hour, and I'm treated like shit, and there's a company paying $8 an hour, and I'm treated like shit, but I'm a good employee. I can go to the $8 an hour job, lose that $2 an hour. It's going to suck dick for a minute, but busting ass and knowing that I'm a good employee, I can earn that money back. But you also have to be willing to have the conversation with your employer to ask for more pay. At the same time, I'm very grateful that all these talk show hosts are off the fucking air. Hallelujah. That probably means SNL will be gone and shut down too. Yes. Nice. Major fucking win. As the guy in We uh, We Golf says, 
Nice. I'm just not as sympathetic. Perhaps someone in the comments can make a, a great argument as to why these commies may have a point. The upfront pay has diminished, as well as a series, and uh, as well as series are no longer expected to fit into a 20-plus episode broadcast season, and often are produced as limited series or dumped after a season. The proliferation of so-called mini runes, mini runes, which is a smaller group of writers are hired to write out a general plot to show uh, of a show before it's approved for a full script have also worsened writers pay gaps from years earlier according to WG again get the union uh, the freelancers are making more money for the same job then why are you in the union why aren't you a fucking freelancer you fucking goober you absolute fucking buffoon. You fucking good dude. God damn, dog. These these are weird. But I'm not in the club. I want to be in the club. That's really what it is, right? Like these are people who got FOMO. They they were never in any clubs growing up and now that they're in the union or it's like my daddy was in the union, my daddy's daddy was in the union, and by God I'm in the union and my kid will be in the union. Fucking goddamn. Ah. Meanwhile, studios and production companies are facing budget crunch in order to turn a profit and have slashed hundreds of jobs as a result. And we've covered this. Netflix has cut thousands of jobs. Facebook has cut many thousands of jobs. Twitter, well, <laughs> Twitter doesn't count. Elon Musk was having a field day hanging out pink slips. But my point stands. Media, news, and Silicon Valley have all had to do major layoffs thanks to the Biden economy, which is ironic because... They pushed so hard to propagandize Biden into the Oval Office, and now Biden's crashed the economy. Yay, you got what you fucking deserved, jackasses. Now you're mad about it. A strike has been seen as inevitable by many in the show business, though it's unclear how long the walkout will last. Other workers within the industry, such as set designers, light and studio techs, makeup artists, costume designers, and more are expected to be impacted as well as movie and TV sets turn dark. Many streaming services have been preparing for a strike with a library of shows on hand. <laughs> it, uh, its effects will first be seen by viewers on nighttime talk shows like The Late, Late Night with Seth Meyers. And good riddance, wasn't he the guy from uh, The Weekend Report? On Friday's episode, Myers, a WGA member, said he supported the union's demands but warned viewers of what could be coming. Quote, it doesn't just affect the writers, it affects all of the incredible non-writing staff on the on these shows, he said. And it would be it would really be a miserable thing for people to have to go through, especially considering we're on the heels of an awful pandemic that affected not just business, but all of us. Yeah, fuck you. No sympathy. No sympathy. Every one of these assholes, especially this cunt right here with the vaccine, promoted the promoted fear-mongering, 
fucking lapped dogged for the entirety of the big pharmaceutical industry in this country, celebrated the fascistic combining between government and corporate businesses when Pfizer, BioNTech, Moderna, Merck, AstraZeneca, so on and so forth, all paired up with the federal government, and then celebrated a forced medical procedure. Ne- I feel like we got too comfortable with this, and we were letting it go. Never fucking forget the mandates. People are dying every day <clears throat> because they were forced to get vaccinated. Now, mind you, a lot of people cucked, didn't put up any fight, just surrendered to the vaccine, and even though they didn't want the vaccine, they said, well, you know, it's for my job, and those people, I hate to say it, man, but I'm not very sympathetic towards you. I have people in my life who got vaccinated because their friends made them do it, or because they were scared and they didn't know what to do at the time or because they wanted to keep their job or because it was simple or because of peer pressure, so on and so forth. Now, if you got the vaccine because you genuinely wanted the vaccine, not because anyone told you, but because you wanted it or because your doctor told you to get it and you got fucked over by it, I am genuinely sorry for you. My heart does break for you. But if you're in the camp of people who traded fucking freedom, uh, freedom for security... You deserve none, and you will have fucking none. You'll have neither, and you deserve fucking neither. And that's exactly what happened. Never forget what these assholes fucking did. I'm going to throw some clips into the end of this episode. My goodness. Now let's look at the comments. Yankee forever! Maybe they need a different. Maybe they need different writers to begin with. Today's sitcoms, dramas, and family shows are the very worst I have seen in my lifetime. And everyone in Hollywood always wants more power and money. And the blue-collar working family is getting poorer and poorer, all because the Biden administration continues to spend money that we, the people, do not have. And most of Hollywood elites are your basic far-left rich progressive liberals who happen to be very rich. Bob in California, formerly uh, Tenfley, New Jersey. I wonder if this means fuck Joe Biden joke writers are on strike. Won't make any difference even when he does not open his mouth. Brandon is always good for a laugh while just walking, climbing stairs, riding a bike, etc., etc. And Rick says, personally, the absence of late-night talk shows is welcome. Thank you. is a welcome respite from the liberal messaging these shows generate. Hopefully, the writers will stay out long enough for America, for Americans to realize they do not need to watch propaganda that is just, uh, just passed off as entertainment. Absolutely. Amen to that. That being said, I celebrate this. Great. I'm happy you're on strike. God bless you. May your strike never fucking end, and may none of these assholes ever return to work, and may all the bullshit grinding meters, all the propaganda devices come to a fucking halt. And may the government follow suit and do an economic... May the government do a full government shutdown, inspired by these brave men and women collectivizing and socializing in broad daylight. Again, you're in a protest and you're not making enough money in this dead economy that you advocated for. You wrote jokes for. You wrote lines for. You worked on shows that advocated for Joe Biden and his economic policies that have crashed the economy. Now you're complaining about your lack of income. You deserve it. You absolutely fucking deserve it. And if you're a good union worker, my condolences, man. You got conned. You should really look into the history of it. You can look into what you should and could be doing. You could be making a lot more money. 
you deserve a lot better than a fucking union. And if you're the average union Joe who's just all happy-go-lucky with the thumb up your ass about it, and you get mad when your income's fucked up, and your boss isn't paying you enough, and unions are taking a chunk of your money for dues, you're the clown. You're you're giving up money to be part of a fucking boys club that does nothing for you other than take more and more of your money annually. Sorry. Sounds like bullshit to me. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. Everyone is James Madison, and just enjoy the break from all this. I'll catch y'all later. Deuce. The vaccine. And, and, and they said it couldn't get any longer. America is brought to you by Pfizer. CBS Health Watch sponsored by Pfizer. Anderson Cooper 360. Brought to you by Pfizer. ABC News Nightline. Brought to you by Pfizer. Making a difference. Brought to you by Pfizer. CNN Tonight. Brought to you by Pfizer. Early start. Brought to you by Pfizer. Friday night on Aaron Burnett out front. Brought to you by Pfizer. This week with George Stephanopoulos is brought to you by Pfizer. This weather report brought to you by Pfizer. Today's countdown to the royal wedding is brought to you by Pfizer. And now a CBS Sports update brought to you by Pfizer. Meet the press. Data download. Brought to you by Pfizer. This portion of CBS This Morning sponsored by Pfizer. On how to find the hidden sugars in the American family diet. Sponsored by Pfizer. Um, D Snyder has a podcast now, and he's very vocal in the uh, in the uh, area of not liking the fact that you have somebody else playing the Spaceman and somebody else playing the Catman, even though it's been 10, 12 years. Does stuff like that bother you, or do you even care what other people think? Well, let me let me put it in in the simplest terms. In this case, this guy is a wannabe, has always been a wannabe and desperately wants attention and to be taken seriously. And that will never happen because he's obviously clueless to the fact that he and his whole band are a bunch of buffoons. <laughs> so that's the uh, response to, to D. Indeed. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. Now, you might be wondering, that beginning clip seemed kind of random. What the hell? I... Add that in the beginning just to show you. 
There's been a long, multi-decade running beef between Twisted Sister and Kiss. Specifically, between Paul Stanley and Dee Snider. Now, Dee Snider went from, like, anti-establishment, fucking hair band to punk rock-ish. Anyway, he went on to be, you know, he went and testified. By the way, his uh, whole little testimony, by the way. On whatever podcast you're listening to, if you want to go check it out, I have D. Snyder's full PMRC Senate hearing speech. It's uploaded to all the platforms I'm on if you want some context of what D. Snyder used to be like. Now in that, he's arguing against the uh, against musicians being held liable for whatever actions people who listen to their music might do. So it, it, it's a, it was a historic, groundbreaking uh, moment in this country, both for politics for political history and music history. And it's worth checking out. You know, it's easy to kick D. Snyder around as an angry old man on Twitter, but he did have a moment. So I, I do want to call it out. But D. Snyder and Paul Stanley have never liked each other. But they're on the same side. So let's get into it. There are There's a difference between acceptance and normalizing. KISS co-founder Paul Stanley, 71, slams parents who confuse their children about gender identity branding child sex changes as sad and dangerous fad stanley posted what he <clears throat> posted what he says were my thoughts on what i'm seeing with it he waded into the polarizing debate around gender affirming care by chris jewers yeah get ready Get ready for the absolute shitstorm that's going to come their way. And I'm, I'm here for it. Kiss co-founder Paul Stanley has criticized parents who, he says, confuse their children about sexuality and gender identity while branding child sex changes as a sad and dangerous fad. With a post titled, quote, My Thoughts on What I'm Seeing, the 71-year-old who, with Gene Simmons, helped found the iconic rock and roll group in the 1970s, Wade into the debate around gender-affirming care. I'll be real with you. Kiss is just not my thing. Never really done it for me. Quote, There's a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children into questioning their sexual identification as though some sort of game. And, <clears throat> and then the parents, in the same case, allow it. He wrote in a statement on Twitter. Absolutely. It's about time. And you know what? I've been saying for the longest time, there is a cultural shift in the air. I've been saying this for about three years now. I was like, you know what? It's fine. One silver lining about the election going the way it did in 2020 is it's going to cause a resurgence of some kind. And then slowly into around the end of 2021, middle of 2021, I was like, you know what? This is starting to feel like 2016 type energy might be in the air again. And here we are. All of culture culture is slowly shifting back. It's stabilizing itself again and pushing back on this crazy, self-destructive, Western woke virus. Quote, and he nails it right on the head. There is a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing <clears throat> and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children. Now, encouraging participation... That's a generous phrase. A lot of times it's forced participation. Check out this little clip here. This is uh, Jazz Jennings' mom. 
Now you want to talk about, uh, you know, pushing kids into it. How about straight up forcing them and admitting to it? Check this out. Uh, link in the description below if you want to go look more into it. I have woken Jazz out of a dead sleep and taken the dilator and put the lubrication on it and said, here, you take this and you put it in your vagina. If not, I will. But Jazz is bad, even when I'm home once a day. I would be so mad if she goes away to college and that thing seals up. I would wring her neck. Imagine. You got that right. Now, if you don't know, a dilator. Uh, first off, let, let's let's address the part where she says her vagina keeps trying to close up. Yeah, it's because it's a wound. It, it it it's an active wound. Wounds do what they can to heal, and a dilator is a medical device that you lubricate. And you shove in to a fake makeshift, uh, well, you, it's basically to reopen the surgical, the, the man-made vagina, the axe wound, as it's uh, colloquially called. The dilator is used for that. And again, I don't, there's a level of mental illness that goes with people who, as adults, pursue this lifestyle. But it's when you force it on a kid. Now, Jazz, at the age of, I believe, nine months, they started performing, or like nine nine months of when they started uh, doing the trans thing, like cross-dressing their kid, and then by like four, started doing hormones. All sorts of scary shit. I'm not super in-depth on the Jazz Jennings story. But what I do know is Jazz was forced into it at a very young age against their will. And was raised with this, uh, without the, the, the ability to choose. And I'm just sitting here reading, you know, the uh, big difference between acceptance, normalizing, and encouraging participation. When there's a lot of people like Jazz's mom out here, like this psycho bitch who just admitted to, I will shove that thing up there myself. Right there. Bad, bad. Even when I'm home once a day. I would be so mad if she goes away to college and that thing seals up. I wring her neck. Can you imagine? I later and put the lubrication on it and said, "Here, you take this and you put it in your vagina. If not, I will." But put this in your fucking wound, and if you don't, I will. And there's a lot of politically motivated moms on the left who there's no there's no male figure in the household or in their life, or there's just not a lot of guidance. Weak moms, maybe even moms who are very well-intentioned or even weak dads, you know. And it's a tendency. Single moms raising daughters seems to be one side of the story. But when you have the opposite sex raising a child in a single-parent household, like you have a single mother raising a son, you get chaos. A single father raising a daughter, you tend to get chaos as well. I might be mistaken here. Perhaps you have a counter-argument or some sort of personal example but i'd like to let you know if it's a personal example it's a personal anecdote and that's all that one is either way you know when you don't have the the balance uh, humans homo sapiens we require that balance to raise a child and you have a lot of these single parent households you see as a tenant as a as a a, a heavy tendency on the left and then you on top of that you have these the single moms who now have this child and now they want a virtue signal right they get their kids super boost. They get their kid vaccinated. They get like boosted. Keep them up on that shit. They keep them masked up. 
keep them hand sanitized. And theoretically, hand sanitizer isn't a problem, but when you when you overly do it, when you are chronically hand sanitizing, you are not only just destroying your hand, you're also weakening your immune system because your immune system doesn't have to fight the way it would normally. So it never has to build up an immunity. So you're more susceptible to actually getting sick because of perpetual hand sanitizing, masking, and God knows what's coming up with this vaccine, especially with people who are just keeping it up. But my point being is you have a lot of these politically motivated moms who want the virtue signal. They want that, well, my child is X, Y, and Z. It's the I'm a proud parent of an honor roll student type mentality. And that leads to some parents who are just thirsty for that clout, thirsty to have that one up on the Joneses, to try and keep up with the Joneses maybe even, to the point where they will mutilate their child and manipulate and Stockholm Syndrome-esque their child into believing, I wanted this. It's a nightmare that we're currently living through right now. That's why I say I don't give a fuck if you're an adult and you want to mutilate your body. I don't give a flying fuck. Go ahead. It's, it's your It's your body. I, you know, God bless you. I, I, I hope you figure something out that works for you, but I don't give a fuck. But when you, you know, drag kids into it, that's the problem. And now you're going to see Paul Stanley and even D. Snyder, who, again, after decades of beefing, fully agrees. And D. Snyder is like a shit bag, shit lib from hell. And Paul Stanley's always been fairly conservative. Anyway... He said that we are, quote, he said that while, quote, there are individuals who as adults may decide reassignment is their needed choice, he criticized turning, quote, turn this into a game or parents normalizing as some sort of natural alternative. Absolutely. It is the same thing. It's like abortion is not contraceptive. And you can't reverse puberty blockers on kids. Like, like you, you start this process. You get the ball rolling. There is no taking it back once that bell is rung. We also don't know the full thing. Like, I, I, I've, I've been saying this for years. I'm going to repeat it now for the record. Trans, like, fucking gen... Uh, for the normies listening, child sex change surgeries, or as I call it, child mutilation, will be looked at the same way we look at fucking lobotomies. We look at lobotomy and like, oh my god, it's horrible medical procedure. But there's people who are protesting and rioting and rallying for the right to get a lobotomy and for people to get their kids lobotomized. We look at them like they're fucking psychotic. And now here we are. People are fighting for the right to mutilate their, child, their child's body. Whereas, you know, like what happened to tomboys? Well, I hate to tell you. They've all been uh, sterilized. Moving on. And that's really what it is, because th- this idea of putting kids on this path towards re- transitioning makes it so they can't have kids in all likelihood. This ideology is going to die. This is going to be the last generation of this ideology. I mean, on one hand, it's like, it's the most tragic fucking thing, because these are kids. And on the other hand, it's like, well, these parents need to go to prison, but at the same time... This ideology is a fucking virus. It's a. I'm starting to think the left is a sign of social decay itself, just because the amount of rot that's represented. I don't know. Now uh, there is a tendency, uh, left and right, uh, as a compass shift based on which country you're in. But there are certain generalities. Like socialism is a generally left wing slash. Oh well, it's always a left wing ideology, and. 
it's uh, a lot of this like collectivism we, we we see and a lot of like the hive mind thinking comes from a lot of like the, the thought process behind things like socialism and socialism in its later phase when become full-blown communism a lot of the hive mind mentality and a lot of the obedience to the state is very similar to what you see with the left now and the left has oh you know it's the democrats we call them the left and we have the right because the democrats have always been the left leaning party they're always susceptible to this like far right type or this far sorry this far left type influence from marxism's uh even like trotskyism and very other little like tinky and shit now Somehow they got full-blown very quickly. I think it has a lot to do with Common Core, No Child Left Behind, and a lot of these like very heavy, hands-on schools and very hands-off parents that were willing to just give their kids over to the education system. So you get these little goofy, radicalized fucks, and it's a lot of like what Yuri... Um, uh, God, what's his name from the, from the uh, KGB? Yuri Bezmanov. I'll leave a link to the video in the description below if you want. He explains how it takes 20 to 25 years to indoctrinate a country because it takes 20 to 25 years to go through the education system from childhood throughout of college. And that's how long you have to brainwash and get the messaging of the enemies into the soft, mushy brains of the American youth. It's a great interview. It's worth watching. I highly recommend you check it out. Let's get back to the article. He also warned against, quote, believing that because a little boy likes to play dress-up in his sister's clothes or a girl in her brother's, we should lead them uh, steps further down the path that's far from the innocence of what they are doing. Yeah, that's what I was saying earlier with the tomboys and stuff. It, it, it's, it's a shame. Because I remember, like, when I was a kid, you know, I don't know. I went to public school for kindergarten and stuff. You know, we'd have rain days. We'd be playing inside. You know, oh, you can't find a fucking, uh, you, you can't find a wizard's hat? Well, all of a sudden this pink, like, you know, uh, what's it called? This thing. Like this thing right here, right? Oh, no, we don't have a wizard's hat. All of a sudden, this pretty princess tiara is a wizard's hat. But, as goofy as it might sound... You run, you, you, you throw it on today, a teacher's going to be like, do you feel comfortable wearing the princess crown? And you're like, it's a wizard hat. No, it's a princess crown. You put it on. What is that? What? Are you a princess? Your princess are girls. Are you a girl? It's like day two of being in a California public school. Yeah. And in full, full disclosure, I remember being a kid. I always wanted to be the wizard. So I'd be running around wearing the goofy tiara or the goofy little princess cone dunce cap thing. Playing wizards and shit in kindergarten during like rain days and stuff, but now it's like, oh nope, you're a girl and you want to play with Tonka trucks. Are you sure you want to be a girl? And kids, they're fucking retarded. They're the dumbest fucking things alive. They're bumbling alcoholic midgets. You ask a kid, hey, what do you want to be, bud? I want to be, I want to be a firefighter. Cool. Ask that same kid a week later. Hey, dude, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be... I want to be Darth Vader when I grow up. Hmm. What a villainous plot twist. But you get my point. They change their minds so often, so it takes something for these creepy public school teachers to be like, Hey, what do you want to... Are you sure you want to want to be this? Little boy, you're playing with a dollhouse. You know, he's got action figures and shit, playing with a dollhouse or whatever the fuck. It's like... 
are you are you playing with dolls? Are you sure you you want to be a boy? It's like for fuck's sake, they're kids. Let them play. And there's just this fucking weird, disturbing distortion going with it. And it's to the point where you have rock stars coming out and talking about it. We've already read right through here, but let's just read through this one more time. Uh, my thoughts on what I've seen. There is a big difference between teaching acceptance and normalizing and even encouraging participation in a lifestyle that confuses young children into questioning their sexual identification as though some sort of game. And then parents, in the same case, in some cases, allow it. They are individuals who, as adults, may decide reassignment is their needed choice, but turning this into a game or parents normalizing it as some sort of natural alternative or believing that because a little boy likes to play dress-up in his sister's clothes or a girl and her brothers, we should lead them, uh, lead them steps further down the path that's far from the innocence of what they're doing. I feel like I should say what they're actually doing, but okay. Moving on. With many children who have no real sense of sexual sexuality or sexual experience caught up in the fun of using pronouns and saying what they identify as, some adults mistakenly confuse teaching acceptance with normalizing and encouraging the situation. That Yeah, that's actually that's a really good point. Yeah, uh, I, ideally, you know, kids wouldn't have any idea of sexuality or sexual experiences. I mean, that that's kind of like the default you, you would hope, right? Now, about 16 is when you start being suspicious, and as a parent, you're like, hey, bud, let me ask you a question. You active? Yeah, that's about the time. You're already, like, like 16, I'm not a parent. Uh, after eight, after a, a large amount of children in my family, I kind of ended up uh, unsupervised. A relevant point. Jokes aside, allegedly. Now, on the other hand, you you know it, you often hear it talked about just for reference, you know articles like calling Trump a Nazi, and in the lead up was, oh, I'll skip the whole that that whole thing. But you know we, we we threw around terms like Nazis and fascists and white supremacists and alt right and, and neo Nazi and all that. We th- we threw these terms around so much that they have lost meaning to the point where we hear somebody called it and we're like can we get some context whereas we're back in the day you heard somebody called a nazi you've been like really wow whereas now you hear you're like yeah why you vote for trump or something it's so minimalized and now you have these kids being taught all this goofy pronoun shit when they're children and they're playing pretend and make believe with it switching it on being whatever they want when they grow up None of these things are going to have any meaning to them whatsoever. That's kind of a... God damn. It's a bit of a nightmarish fucking concept. I never really... You know, it's talking about like things losing meaning over time. But I guess, I, for some reason, all the years I've bitched about this. Just never quite thought about pronouns losing even more meaning. Because I know, like, in the social conversation, we're still having that battle. But to these kids, like... I'm a they, they're them, ziz, 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 X, Y, Z, A, B, C, 1, 2, 3, F, B, I, C, I, A, K, G, B person. And it's like, they think they're a superhero. And that's like the most wholesome, optimistic view of what they think they are. Right? So that's kind of an alarming thought. Thanks, Paul Stanley. I appreciate the nightmare fuel. With many children who have no real sense of sexuality, uh, sexuality or sexual experience caught up in the fun of using pronouns and saying what they identify as. 
Some adults mistakenly confuse teaching acceptance with normalizing and encouraging a situation that has been a struggle for those truly affected and have turned it uh, turned it into a sad and dangerous trend uh, fad. No, absolutely. Uh, it plays into the same thing you get with... Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I was a high school kid between the years of 2013 and 2016. And we called them trans-trenders back then. There were these kids who were like... Uh, yeah, give you an example. I went to school with these twins who also were school. They like, literally, the, 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 the summer school season, I was a retard kid. I was the pothead kid. Go figure. I was a kind of shaggy. Now... You know, I'm in summer school, and these twins, you know, the, these chicks, they dresses, makeup, skirts, normal, whatever. And then we get, like, the month and a half off from summer school, and then we go back to regular school. About a week into being back for, I think, 11th grade year, they were butch cut, shaved buzz cuts, still wearing makeup, though. And this is, like, 2016, you know? Like, 2016, 2015. And they're demanding, just absolutely demanding, he, him, we're boys. And it's like, no, no, you're not. No, you're not. But within, like, four or five months, all the after-school programs, because we have this thing called Bright Futures, which you know what Bright Futures is. Oh, my fucking God. What a retarded waste of taxpayers' efforts. Now, they would be like, introduce your name. So, ideally, it would be like, James Madison, he, him. But, you know, me being me, it'd be like, James Madison, this is stupid. And cue the baldies in the corner looking like Britney after a really bad day in 2006, screaming, you're not doing it right, blah, blah, blah. And this has gotten so far out of hand so fucking quickly. And I, I just, you know, I thought, well, damn, school system sucks. Oh, well, when they get out of school, reality will kick them. And then watching the whole world bow to them. To the point where now kids are just on the line like this is fucking wild, dude. God damn. But we already read all this. And, and also, you know, keep this part in mind, right? It's people who are truly affected. Like I talk about Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney doesn't portray any of the signs of actually being trans. And I'll say that before Tim was, for what it's worth. Uh, and I'm not competing or anything, but it's worth saying. People who actually suffer from the DSM-5 diagnosis don't relish having bulges or having 5 o'clock shadows or having masculine features or any of that stuff. They are ashamed of it. They're petrified of it. But Dylan Mulvaney flaunts it, shows it off, dances around, la 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 da and so on and so fucking forth. So, you know, it's kind of the issue, right? Uh, but, but. but yeah, that's, you, know, you also have these people who are in the older gay and trans community who absolutely hate this new wave out there. Uh, Jeffree Star, prime example. Moving on. The post to the social media platform comes as debates about controversial topic have raged across the U.S., with several states weighing up laws that will either restrict or protect rights of transgendered people. Within hours of his post to the social media platform, it had garnered millions of views and prompted praise and backlash from users across the political spectrum. Supporters of Stanley's statements applauded him for posting it, with several people replying to his post, th uh, thanking him for joining the debate and taking a stance. Critics, however, pointed out that the musician uh, and his bandmates made their career 
wearing flamboyant makeup and clothing, uh, relevant on account uh, relevant on account of much of the debate around the trans rights, also including drag performances. Other okay, first off, yeah, uh, bit different. You know what? Here, I thought of two ways to approach this. One, let's bridge from there from the side with the drag drag queen story hour, right? What's your problem? It's not a sexualized thing. It's just people in drag reading books to kids, man. All right, fine. It's a bunch of androgynous guys in tight leather and makeup singing music, singing songs to kids, man. Only difference is, as far as I know, well, I know they have a lot of really sketchy songs about hooking up with minors, and that's not okay. I'm not condoning that at all whatsoever. But, uh, again, there is a, a, a noticeable lack of body mutilation involved here. Oh, he wore cringy makeup and leather back in the day. Ah, uh, no, there's a really good uh, movie, actually, about people trying to go to a, a, a Kiss concert. It's really good. New Line Cinema back in the day. Mwah. Top line. A24 of its time. Now, there's just no comparison, right? You're like, well, you wore makeup. It was also the fucking 80s, man. Second off, yeah, it's not okay hooking up with minors, and I know he has a lot of songs that, that, that at least insinuate that he did. Again, I'm not a big fan of Kiss, but I am not blind to this fact. However, while it's not okay, but still not, you know, gender mutilation of a child or drug-induced disruption of a natural process called puberty. You know, I, I just, I feel like there's a, a like, like, yeah, that's bad, but this is really bad. You know what I mean? So your whataboutisms is bullshitisms. Supporters of uh, Stanley's statement applauded him, critics, however, makeup, uh, clothing, have a lot of trends, including drag performances. Others referred to Stanley and Kiss performing songs about sexualizing underage girls right here, such as the 1977 song Christine 16. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It was not clear what prompted Stanley's post. Reporting on his statement, Rolling Stone magazine wrote, what was uh, what was clear from his statement was that he had incorrectly conflated sexuality and gender. I'd fuck off. There is no difference. Sexuality and gender are the same fucking thing. Gender. There's a binary. Male, female. Sexuality. Male, female, intersex, I guess. But intersex is like the 0.1 or 0.02% of the population. So yeah, I'll have the argument that there's more than two genders, sure. But it's also on the same uh, level of, sure, I'll agree with you. Real socialism has never been tried. Only because Karl Marx was a staunch advocate for people owning guns and every communist government has always taken guns. Yet, the same people who scream real communism has never been tried are staunchly against people owning guns. Yet, Karl Marx would have been pro-assault rifle. You know what I mean? It's the same kind of like, all right, let's have the pedantic, fucking needless little semantic arguments, and I'll still fucking beat you at it. But, no, gender and sex are not separate. They are the same fucking thing. Piss off. The music magazine pointed out that these develop independently and shared guidance outlined by the Mayo Clinic, a nonprofit American academic medical center. I don't give a fuck. People communicate their gender to uh, to others through gender expression. 
This may be done through mannerisms, clothing, and hairstyles, the clinic explains on its website. Fine! I'll play that game. If there's a dude, and he's got a gunshot wound or something, and he's writhing and twitching on the fucking floor. Tell you what, I won't even go to the extreme. There's a man, he's in extreme abdominal pain, and everything hurts. And he says he's having a miscarriage. Tell you what, let's treat him like he's having a miscarriage. Hook him up, full process everything. Let's do it. Let's play that fucking game, Mayo Clinic. Let's treat a, 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 a biological male who's bleeding out the dickhole unbelie- in unbelievable amounts of, of, of gut pain and uh, gastro issues. And he's saying, I'm having a miscarriage. Let's treat him like he's having a miscarriage and see how that fucking works out for you, Mayo Clinic. Tell you what, a biological female comes in. And she's complaining of severe pain in the area where her ovaries are, right? But she says, I have testicular cancer. I mean, technically she might be right, but you can't treat them the same way. But let's treat them the same way, boys. Better load up them imaginal ball sacks into the fucking chemo ray. Get fucking real, clinic. God damn. Gender identity develops sexual f- separate from sexual orientations. People's sexual orientations relate to whom they're attracted to on a physical, emotional, or romantic basis. Fuck off, cultist. Groomer. Okay, groomer. A transgender. Oh, look, look, look. They found him. They found him doing a white power sign. You know, you know that's why they chose this picture. So they can say it's a white power sign. Picture Paul Stanley with Kith. Platform garnered a million of views and prompted praise and backlash from users. Moving on. As transgender people have increasingly gained acceptance and visibility, conservative lawmakers have zeroed in on restricting their rights, keeping transgender children off girls' sports teams and out of certain bathrooms, and blocking them from receiving gender-affirming medical care. Yeah, in all fucking fronts. For example, uh, Loudoun County, you had a biological male who sexually assaulted two female students violently, causing act, not just sexual, you know, disturbing harm, but, you know, uh, like, lacerations and actual, like, concussions and shit. And then they were moved to a separate school where the abuse continued. I have episodes about this. I'll throw them in the description below. This is going to be covered in depth in the Loudoun County. These things were really popping off back in the day. And they were just moved to a separate school where they continued to do the exact same behavior. This dad who showed up and said, why did you move that boy into my daughter's school? My daughter was assaulted and you did nothing to protect her. He was beaten, dragged out by cops. True fucking story. So, yeah, absolutely keep him out of girls' bathrooms. And... And not just girls' bathroom, keep women out of men's bathroom, keep men out of women's bathroom. It's quite simple. It's pretty straightforward. Now, well, do you really think that if I, a biological female passing as male, okay, you think other females would be comfortable with me in the bathroom? Okay, well, guess what? You can't rape them. You, you can't, you can't rape them. I hate to tell it to you. Sorry, sweetheart. You can't go in there with your little fucking rolled up sausage tube from your thigh meat and put it, put it anybody against their will. 
it's not really going to work out that well for you. The things don't really get hard. They require a lot of injections. It's a whole fucking mess. Thanks, GIF. Really appreciate that lesson in biology a couple years ago. Anyway, and if you're a biological male, guess what? You're a biological male and you go in the men's restroom. You ain't going to be sticking your 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 uh, your meat shaft up anyone's back door anytime soon either. It's just, it's it's such a, well, what about comfortability? I don't give a fuck about comfortability. I'm talking about safety and people being harmed. If you're not comfortable with it, go to the family restroom. It's that simple. It, it's such a goofy thing. And oh boy, I already see it. Let's get into this one. Keeping transgender children, girl, uh, children off girl sports teams and out of certain bathrooms and blocking them from receiving gender affirming medical care. Fuck off. There is no such thing. First off, since we're here, two things. One, there is no such things as transgendered people. Transgendered people are fake. They do not exist. Now, the human beings that are calling themselves trans, yes, those are real human beings. Those people have mental health issues and they need to be addressed. Now, why do I say this? For two fronts. One, if you are a biological male, first off, to say that you are transgendered or to call someone to be transgendered would imply that they successfully transitioned from one gender to another. That is biologically fucking possible. And on the other side of that coin, a male, if you're born biologically male, you will never be female. You will always have a prostate. You will never have a womb. You will never dilate. You'll never appear. You'll never menstruate. You'll never have any of this. And if you are a biological female, you will never carry sperm. You'll never have a prostate. You'll never have an abs apple. You'll never impregnate somebody. You will not have a functioning penis. It's just not, not a thing. Now, if it makes you more comfortable to do it, sure. And if you're like a Blair White situation and you pull it off and people are into it, sure. You're an adult. Do what you gotta do. I don't really care. But there is a sign of a severe deterioration in mental health. That should be addressed, but, you know, whatever. But when you put it on kids, right? Gender affirming. Chopping off and mutilating perfectly functioning organs or developing organs is insane. If a child came to you and said, I don't think I should have my left arm, even though it's a perfectly functioning left arm... Are you going to give them affirming surgery? You're going to go chop that left arm off, Doc? Hmm? You're going to affirm them? It It's so wild, the guise of emotional care they wrap this little fucking sick ploy up in. It's disgusting. In response, a growing number of Democratic-controlled Senate uh, states have moved to protect such rights, especially access to gender uh, especially access to child sex change surgeries. In developments this week, one governor told lawmakers they'll have to return for a special sessions if they fail to pass some restrictions. Meanwhile, two others signed protections into law, and a transgender lawmaker was barred from a state house floor amid a standoff of, with colleagues. All right, yeah, that was in Tennessee, and it's because they participated in a riot and an insurrection the week prior where about 80 violent rioters stormed into the capital of Tennessee and assaulted police officers. And now I usually, you know, oh, no, cops were attacked. Oh, blah. well, anyway, the only reason I bring up the filth being attacked is exclusively because you cry, oh, January 6th. You know, it's just like, well, okay, the transurrection in Tennessee. Okay, let's have that conversation. 
You know, you play your... Well, you know, the transurrection was an insurrection. All right, January 6th was an insurrection. And then you have your dick measuring competition right there. I've been doing it on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter if you want to see. Follow me on Twitter and then look at my my, my replies. Yeah, it tends to be all right. Anyway, the pushback conservatives has expanded. Got it. The pushback conservatives has expanded over the last few years and became and become alongside abortion a major theme running through legislative sessions across the country in 2023 and is expected to be a hot button issue in 2024 elections. I fucking hope so. Six states have laws or policies in effect barring minors from receiving puberty blockers or home hormone therapy. Similar provisions have been adopted but paused by uh paused but courts in by courts in three st- uh in three or more. They've been signed into law, but haven't having yet taken effect in an, in another eight. And one more bill is awaiting a governor's signature. In Missouri, the gender-affirming bat- uh, care battle is playing out in the legislation and in the court. In April, Republican Attorney General Andrew Bailey used an emergency rule to impose restrictions on both children and adults before they can receive such care now again i think the adult receiving gender mutilation is a you know a, a cry for help of its own own kind but they they are adults they have the money and there's someone doing the product sorry to tell you they can do it all you can do is really pray for them just before it was taken to take effect this week a judge halted uh, uh, enforcement until last monday and said she could push the date back further while legal challenges are still considered. Meanwhile, in Montana, how the Republicans barred a Democrat transgendered colleague from the floor of the chamber for the uh, for the rest of the legislative session as punishment, uh, Zoe Cipher had told Republicans there would be, quote, blood on your hand if they approved a ban on gender-affirming care for minors. Well, here's the thing. Why do gen- why do suicide rates in the trans community spike post-op or during the transition period? Why? If the surgery saved lives, why is the suicide rate only spiking if more and more states are allowing this? And we're only starting now to see actual pushback. Why? And watch, you're going to see the trans suicide rate start to plummet as more and more states start banning the surgery for kids. Mark my fucking words. The bill passed, though it has not yet been signed into law. Elsewhere, the U.S. Department of Justice on Wednesday filed a lawsuit challenging Tennessee law, scheduled to take effect July 1st, banning transgender youth from receiving gender-affirming care. The federal government said no person should be denied access to necessary medical care just because of their transgender status. However, as some stat, uh, some states move... To bring in restrictions, others have taken steps to protect the rights of transgendered people. Governor's signatures in Minnesota and Washington on Thursday made them the latest of the least of the at least nine states with laws protecting access to gender mutilation for children. Vermont lawmakers passed bills with similar provisions this week, though they haven't been signed. The measures aim to shield parents, health uh, parents, healthcare providers, and other actors actors from punishment or investigation. Why would you want if they fuck up? Why would you want them to be safe from investigation? I'm just kind of kind of kind of curious. Anyway, 
investigation into whether they violated gender-affirming care and abortion bans in states that have them so far officials have not been trying to reach across state lines to enforce bans the well because they can't in tandem with the push to restrict transgender rights conservatives in several states have also lately targeted drag shows as part of what critics say is a wave of anti-LGBTQ legislation. No, you have kids at burlesque shows. It, it, it's not It's not acceptable. It's that simple. Alabama became the latest to do so after legislation was filed Thursday and was added to a provision uh, to the state's anti-obscenity laws. The bill by Republican Rep. Arnold Mooney was prohibited uh, would prohibit, quote, male or female impersonators, commonly known as drag queens or drag queens, from performing in kindergarten through 12th grade schools, libraries, and public places where minors are present. Wow, what a wild fucking concept. Oh, but we want to have men dress as women with fake tits around minors. Why are you dying on this hill? This is such a weird, uncomfortable hill to die on. The measure is pending before the House uh, the House State Government Committee. Tennessee was the first state to place strict limits on drag shows, but last month a federal judge uh, a federal judge there temporarily blocked the measure after a group failed a lawsuit claiming it violates the First Amendment. Now let's hop over here to the last article. Alright, let's see these comments real quick by uh, Gagme Witherspoon. Says the man in makeup, tights, and High-heeled boots, uh, and Duck D. Pomphamite says, that's his stage persona. Yeah, and here's the thing. He never pretended not be a male. Paul Stanley was always male. Paul Stanley always made a point. I mean, we we can talk, we have a conversation about how creepy the fucking context is behind Christine 16, but he's a biological male talking about hooking up with biological females in a lot more songs than just that one, but that one is particularly creepy. So, uh, uh, gag me, you're kind of retarded. Uh, Realist says, he's 100% absolutely correct, and his observations are very well stated. Kudos, Mr. Stanley. Uh, catastrophic, uh, catastrophic USA says, there's a difference between tolerance and acceptance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, let's hop over here to the last article for this, but admittedly longer than the anticipated episode, to this short article. Quote, well said. D. Snyder of Twisted Sister fame agrees with Kiss Rocker's statement about children and gender identity by Alex Nitzenberg, May 1st, and this is over at The Blaze. Now, The Blaze, apparently, it doesn't seem to show rating, but The Blaze is right-leaning. Rockstar D. Snyder, Twisted Sister fame, agreed with KISS member Paul Stanley's statements, noting that parents should not encourage their children to identify as the opposite gender. Quote, there's a big difference. We already read all this. Quote, there are individuals who may decide. We've already read all this. Little boy play dress up, sister's clothes, or his or her brothers. Should leave them says further. We read that when children. Anyway, that kind of Snyder retweeted Stanley's post and expressed agreement. Quote, you know what? There's a time where I felt pretty too where I felt pretty too. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash rash conclusions. Well said. At Paul Stanley Live, Snyder tweeted. You know what? 
There was a time where I felt pretty too. Glad my parents didn't jump to any rash conclusions. Well said, Paul Stanley. Absolutely. And just for this, I'm going to go follow both of them now. Quote, parents need to be less reactionary, right and left. No need to steer the children into either direction. Let the children figure it out for themselves, knowing their family is supportive. I have a vet cop hard, uh, uh, hard-ass dad. I have a cop vet hard-ass dad who, while he shook his head a lot, let me do my thing, Snyder tweeted. All right, well, you know, firm discipline, but he let you be, be free. And it says right here, from uh, Libtart666. I wonder what your policies are. D, please, please, don't fall for the bullshit being spun by the right. This is no fetish. This is... Actually, it is absolutely a, a fetish. So let's say you go through with the surgery, right? Like transgender to its maximum where you have the axe wound. You will never conceive. You will never have the ability to have kids. And the only people who will be fucking you are people who are into you because you scratch that particular particular itch to them. And since that itch does not attune to the biology of us as a species, it is by definition alter. It is not a natural fetish or a natural kink to have. I mean, I'm not kink shaming here, but I'm just saying it goes against the grain, meaning it is by ne- by definition a kink. It is a fetish. It is a, a sexual interest you are into because it will not lead to reproduction and it is a very specific type of uh, air quotes female or male to be into. So no. And D. Snyder says, I'm not, Ellie. Parents need to be less reactionary right and left. No need to steer the children into either direction. Let a kid figure it out for themselves, knowing that their family is supportive. I had a vet cop hard-ass dad who, while he shook his head a lot, let me do my thing. And it's worked, played off in the end. Some states have moved to prohibit provisions on transgendered measures for minors, and that's it. It's an interesting but wonderful thing to see. He looks like a Bogdanoff right here. That being said, we're starting to see the pushback on this kind of thought process where we allow parents to just mutilate their kid with no pushback whatsoever. But let me ask you a question uh, in the comments below. If a parent, mom and dad, go into a clinic and they as parents want to get their kid to have a sex change surgery or start the process, how do you go about making laws to stop that? Now, I'm all for the laws being in place, but now for the more libertarian leaning, I'm asking you this question. How do you, as a libertarian or more center individual, pass a law like this? So far, I I like the flat-out bans, quite frankly, because these kids need to wait until they're 18. You know, if you can't drink and you can't smoke until you're 21, but you can die for your country at 18, you sure as fuck can't change your gender before you can die for your country, is I guess is what I'm trying to get at. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I've been James Madison, and I shall catch you guys later. Deuces. Hey, welcome back to Inside Four Walls. I'm your host, James Madison, and now we get into a little bit more of a serious topic. The federal government is now bailing out banks again. And if you remember anything from the 2008 and 2011 banking and housing crisis, you know what happens when the government bails anything out. They become the owner. For example, GM, General Motors, got bailed out by the feds back in 2009. They are now called Government Motors. Literally, no, but that is what they are. All the regulations, rules, policies, and all these standards they have are exclusively handed down through government edict.
and all the GM cars suck big donkey dick now, if you haven't noticed. So unfortunately, and right now, something to keep in mind, Joe Biden is part of the World Economic Forum. He's been in that shit for a long time. Now, it's not so much of an active member anymore, mainly because his brain don't do no work, no good. But a big push from the World Economic Forum is for a one-world unified currency. And the best way to do that is by owning the banks. Now, I predicted about late 2020 and early 2021 that with Joe Biden in office, you're going to see all the banking Bank, major banks start collapsing, going out of business, and we're seeing that right now. We've had six major bank crashes. This right here is the second largest banking crash in American history. If you remember just three months ago when um, Silicon Valley, or just like a month ago when Silicon Valley Bank went out of business, that was the world's second largest banking collapse. Now this is the new second largest banking collapse. Folks, get to credit unions. Or get your money out of the banks. And don't I'm not giving you advice, but get off the fiat dollar. If you can, invest in other things. Gold and crypto. Mainly Bitcoin. Now, again, I'm not giving you financial advice. You don't need to do what, what I say, but I would not be fucking around with the U.S. currency here. But let's get into how the federal government is going to take over. And by the way, J.P. Morgan is already in a hard enough a hard enough situation right now because their their old exec got forced out because of his Epstein connections, and they're currently losing a multi million dollar lawsuit revolving around their finances with Jeffrey Epstein. And we'll be getting into the Epstein uh, information that just came out today and yesterday, very shortly on. But let's get into it. U.S. regulator sees First Republic Bank to sell assets to J.P. Morgan. Now, my question with this one is. J.P. Morgan is already going through enough. And now, they're taking on this poisoned assets. I don't, I don't understand why, why they do this. Article is by Reuters. United States regulators said on Monday, First Republic Bank has seized and, uh, has seized and a deal agreed to sell the bank to J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. In what is the third... Oh, okay, so it's third. I thought it was second. Third major U.S. institution to fail in two months. Okay, so might still be the second largest bank collapse. It's just the third largest in two months. The Wall Street Journal, uh, the Wa- sorry, the Wall Street major bank will take most of the First Republic's assets and all of the deposits, including uninsured ones. The regulator said in a statement. Oh God! So the federal government just seized all the bank account money. A lot of people are not going to get their money back, and there's nothing they can do about it other than just chalk it up to being gone to the void of the government. This is shitty. J.P. Morgan was one of several interest buyers, including PNC Financial Service Groups and Citizens Financial Group Incorporated, which submitted uh, final bids on Sunday in an auction being run by U.S. regulators. Sources familiar with the matter said over the weekend, the California Department of Financial Protection and innovation interesting clump of groups there so you're the financial protection department and the innovation department okay announced early on monday it had taken uh, possession of first republic bank and the federal deposit insurance corporation fdic would act as its receiver Sketchy. These are all government-owned banks now. And by the way, when J.P. Morgan inevitably crashes, I give him about five months. J.P. Morgan will crash inevitably. And I mean, Kanye will do a little tap dance on his fucking grave. I mean, this is kind of what the wall, uh, what the Occupy Wall Street guys wanted, except for the only problem is 
while they wanted the banking system to shut down, yes. However, it all fallen under one large overran monopoly-ish rule underneath a big bank? Mm, no. By the way, the only reason I can say monopoly here is because it would be a government ran. The only monopoly that actually exists are the ones the government allows to exist. And the government is the only real monopoly in the world anymore. So, I hate to say it to you, but this is all falling right into place. And, and again, we have things like the Hamilton coming out. The Hamilton being this sketchy-ass fake crypto. Let me turn my notifications off. There we go. FDIC estimated in a statement that the cost of the deposit uh, of deposit insurance fund would be about $13 billion. God damn, the final cost will be determined when the FDIC terminates its receivership. The rescue comes less than two months after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failed amid the deposit. Now, don't forget about SVB and Sil- or, uh, S- uh, SF- S- uh, SFX. SBF. That's what it is. With Sam Bankman Freed. And these banks are all major loners to DNC party members, by the way. So this is an interesting move because it does have a harmful effect on Democrats' chances of winning the election because major donors are now being taken out. But at the same time, they're all being taken out, sort of, and being mushed into one big, creepy, creepy fucking club. Like, back in the day, there used to be tons of automotive dealers. Now there's like three. And two of them are subsidized by the government. Same thing, you know, you have, like, all these major corporations and companies all boiled down to being owned by, like, one of seven to nine companies. There's a, there's a system here. Back in the day, you had a lot of choices. Now you don't really have choice. You don't have the, you have the illusion of choice. Uh, George Carlin said it probably the best, where everything will be limited down. You can't have a variety of options because that makes too much competition, and competition fucks with the government's ability to get paid. They don't like that. They do not like that at all. They learned the hard way when they lost multiple cases. For example, when the Confederate government lost a Supreme Court case to be the only people to handle mail, that took many billions of dollars that the government was never able to recover from. Because DHL got it, FedEx, UPS, all these people got the got got to handle mail, and the federal government ended up losing control over that. Now, the government wants to control all the money. They want to control all the banks. That's why the the Obama administration and Biden have actively taken measures to harm credit unions. I'm a credit union enjoyer. I'm your base credit union enjoyer. And I'm not dealing with a lot of these problems. Now, the monetary issues I'm dealing with are the same that anyone's dealing with anyway. But let me show you a little clip real quick. Just kind of drive on what I mean. Let's see. The rescue comes... Fourth Federal Reserve. Uh, the rescue comes less than two months after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failed amid uh, deposit f- uh, flight from U.S. lenders, forcing the Federal Reserve to step in with emergency measures to stabilize the markets. I wish the I wish the biggest bank in the world would shut down. That would be the Federal Reserve. But the government shouldn't even be bailing these banks out. These banks fail. These banks fucking fail. Let them. It's not the government's job to bail them. The only reason the government bails them out is so the government can own them. And when the government owns it, it's not really a choice. It's the falsehood of a choice. I'll show you what I mean right here. We'll show you. I'll show you the exact clip I'm referring to. This is what is going on in your country right now, America. But the interesting thing about this country is, if, if they, they, they talk about how we have freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. You know, we have freedom of choice. Yeah, uh, very limited. It's an important thing. Limited choice. Uh, two political parties, essentially two. Uh, big media companies, five, mm-hmm. six, max. Yeah. yeah. 
Oil companies down to three now, I think. Uh, oil companies are down to two, and big table TV networks are owned by two different companies exclusively. Two to three different companies, but mainly two. Uh, Comcast and ABC Family. Overall, three or four. Uh, banks, the big banks, the big brokerage houses, the big accounting firms, all of the things that are important reduced in choice. Mm. Newspapers in a city, how many? Used to be three, four, now it's one or two that are owned by the same people and they also own a radio station and a TV station. <laughs> but jelly beans, 32 yeah. flavors. Yeah. Ice cream, all the things that don't matter. The, the unimportant things, a lot of choices. Yeah. I mean, you know what I say? You, you, your you know what your freedom of choice is in America? Paper or plastic. Yeah. That's it, man. It comes down to paper or plastic, cash or charge, aisle or window, smoking or non-smoking, yeah. Coke or Pepsi. These are your choices. <laughs> Everything else is kind of laid out for you. You get to do what they really want. They do what they want. The yeah. ones who own this country, they do what they want. Speaking of our choices being usurped or, or, or taken away from us, what do you make of what? And I'm, I'm fascinated to ask you this because all the things that you've been talking about for years. Mm -hmm. Are, I mean, we've come full circle on this stuff. And that's why I was so fascinated, and thank you for coming on the program. Sure. But here we are now, you know, 30 years after you were talking about mm -hmm. it, with this huge debate, this huge fight about whether or not our civil liberties are being taken away from yeah. us. What, what's, what, what are your thoughts on Well, I think if you looked at the record of um, laws which have been passed in the last 30 to 40 years, there's a thing called social hysteria. Mm -hmm. Social hysteria is whipped up generally by the media. Uh, crime. In Nixon's time, crime was the big social hysteria issue. There's too much crime. There's, we, we're, they're coddling. The courts are coddling the criminals. We have to tougher laws. So a lot of civil liberties went away in terms of um, the rights of criminals and the rights of the accused and, and the people going on trial. These, these were li limited. They were cut down. These rights, which are guaranteed by the Constitution in the Bill of Rights. Uh, another social hysteria, drugs. The drug thing happened, same thing. Uh, big, big flow of drugs, we're going to fight the drugs, we need newer, tougher laws, we need draconian sentences, we need to be able to go into houses, we need to be able to do this, and we have reasonable, reason, you know, all of these, all of these shortcuts have, have resulted in less liberties because of social hysteria. The media whips up the frenzy, people get all excited, mm -hmm. the legislature passes it, the president, the executive signs it, and the judges then, the, the judicial branch okays it sometime later when it gets to them. Mm -hmm. and, and what has happened is you have less freedom, less liberties, less civil liberties, less rights. And the third social hysteria is terrorism. That, that was whipped up. Now, there's, it's a little, probably a little more cause there. You look at the 9-11, it's a very dramatic event. Mm -hmm. But that, too, has been used to, with, to, with this Patriot Act to reduce our liberties. They say, well, if you have nothing to hide, what are you worried about? You know that? that whole oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah you have, tell me about the people that are, you know, just getting out of prison because of the DNA. They forget mm -hmm. had nothing to hide. Uh, it's, it's just, listen, th this country is, is owned by the ownership class. They do pretty much what they want. I figure it's like a freak show. Here's what I do. You know what I do? To me, if you're born in the world, yeah. you get a ticket to the freak show. They get a ticket to the freak show. If you're born in America, you got a front row seat. So some people, some people are in the freak show. Yeah, we got our freaks. Yeah. Then some people, they uh, want to fix the freaks. Right. These are the ACLU lawyers, environmentalists. Well, let's fix the freaks. We're yeah. going to fix them up. Oh, isn't that terrible? Let's do this. And then there are folks who just watch the freak show. Yeah. As me. And some of us get to write about it or talk about it. Right. And I do that. That's you too. Yeah. And I say, oh, look at you. I, look how badly hey, you're same. doing. I don't yeah. even. I count myself in. Yeah. I say, look how badly you folks are doing. How did you do this to yourself? Why did you let them do? Now, what's interesting, this is a point he talked about here, actually. 
he uh, he was talking about hysteria and how hysteria can drive society. Now, <clears throat> what led to a lot of these banks having issues? Well, it started with a news outlet saying the future of banking with this particular bank could be unstable, and that caused a run on the banks. People ran to the banks, took their money out. Other people saw them running running to their bank, and then all of a sudden they started running to their own banks, taking their money out. It started an issue where people are now worrying, and they're taking their money out of their banks. Now, it's a good thing, but it's a you have to ask yourself, why is it happening right now? Why is it happening under this presidency? Why is it happening with the World Economic Forum being this active? Now, while it can seem like a good thing on the surface, there is something to keep in mind underneath. There is a large collectivist brew going underneath the surface of this country right now. And they're trying to usurp it. And it's not just America. Look around the world. Look at America's... I, I call them America's siblings. You have Canada and you have Australia. Look at them. Look what's going on there. They took the guns... And they're slowly going to start working in the uh, economic credit score system. And they're working it in here right now. That's what the the, uh, passport was. A lot of other countries are the experiment ground for what they bring to America. And then America is the final testing stage before they unleash it on the world. And that is the unfortunate dealing of things right now. These banks need to be allowed to fail. People need to watch these systems fail because if the government let, let's just let's just go with the wholesome well i'm just the good old government and i'm just trying to help i don't want to own your bank i just want to give you some money <laughs> let's go with that one it teaches no lessons it shows that banks can be ran as sloppily and as ineptably as they want to be ran and there's no consequences for it go ahead gamble fuck around with the money oh well sam bickman fried got away with it Chase got bailed out. I mean, all these banks got bailed out, right? So what's what's the lesson to be learned here? Fuck around and get rewarded? No. There is no defense for government bailouts in any situation. You cannot find the argument for me. Because any argument given to me about why the government needs to be able to bail out large corporations will result in me rebuking them very abruptly. The FDIC estimated... Uh, the revenue comes less than two months after Silicon Valley Bank. Mid, I read that. Those failures came after crypto-focused Silvergate voluntarily liquidated. Yeah, no, that was weird. They had no financial difficulties. And they just killed themselves. They threw themselves on the altar. And now, the Silvergate thing is weird because that's what makes me think about the Hamilton If you want to read more about this, I'll leave a link to this article, and I will leave a link to a past episode I did, and I'll leave a link to a Hotep Jesus video about Hamilton. Hamilton is a cryptocurrency. The federal government wants to become the one currency in this country. They want everyone on the Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton had it coming. Now, the Hamilton is a giant spy coin. It will take everything you have and send back to the federal government. It also is controlled by the federal government as to its value because the government at a press of a button can flood the market with Hamilton and withdraw Hamilton from the market. You will also be on a leasing deal with them. So while you give the federal government actual money to own Hamilton, they can take the Hamilton away from you at any moment for any reasons whatsoever. It will be the cutoff valve. You don't behave, you lose Hamilton. You don't do good, you lose Hamilton. Oh, you too good. You're a good citizen. You get Hamilton. 
it is, like I was saying earlier, baby steps towards the economic credit score system. E-S-G. And it's bad. So I'll leave a link to this in the description below if you want to know more about the Hamilton. It is a federal cryptocurrency. And it is probably going to destroy this country if it ever actually gets rolled out into the light of day. And is treated as anything besides the shit coin. Now, if it rolls out, people should mock it. People should refuse to buy it and let it flail. But Silvergate throwing itself down on the sword for the federal government makes me scared. Because that bank is the largest crypto feeding bank. They were the ones that stood up against uh, SBF and Sam Bankman fried and said, no, nah, no, sorry, this isn't, this isn't going to work. And then, all of a sudden, about a year later, they take their own life, basically, and shut down and surrender all, that, all those assets to the federal government. The same federal government trying to force you to use their spy coin. There's a greater network going on of connections here, my friends. And we will uncover it as we go. Those failures come after crypto-focused fo uh, bank uh, Silvergate of Ontario liquidated the First Republic at a total assets of $229.1 billion as of April 13th and $103.9 billion worth of deposits. The FDIC statement said, quote, Our government invited us and used others to step up and we did said jamie demon mm, a fed named demon fits fits chairman ceo of jp morgan chase he's a fed by the way our financial strength uh capabilities and business model allow us to develop a bid to, to execute the transition uh transaction in the way to minimize costs to the deposit and insurance fund but here's the thing. Why? You're eating poisoned meat. I don't know if any of you are hunters out here, right? No. It's a bit of a sad story, but bear with me. You never eat bear. You go out hunting. If you kill a bear, you don't fucking eat it. And the only reason you, you, you should ever kill a bear is if it's trying to charge you. Otherwise, stay the fuck away from it. Also, make sure you have a high enough caliber to pierce that fucking thing's head because you, you your average rifle round ain't gonna do the fucking trick you'll just piss it off the part of michigan the part of, of michigan the upper part of, Mich uh, of like america i live in black bears man not fun not fun anyway you know fuck fuck that let, 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 let's go another problem we have zombie deers here if you don't know i'll show you real quick let me give you a couple examples like you may think this deer is dead that deer is not dead that deer is still very much alive. So is this deer. This deer is also alive. Um, it's called chronic wasting disease. Michigan, we have it particularly bad in our area uh, to the point where it's... I don't know why it's so uh, like specifically bad here, but it is horrible here. Like It's a, it's a, it's a, a real fucking problem in, in our state. And you have a lot of hunters who go out there and they eat these rotten deers. Right, these deers are just filled with disease and plague that will kill you if you eat the, eat the meat. Like it's horrible. It's it's fucking nightmarish, right? But you still have hunters who will go out there, kill it, and eat it, and then all of a sudden these hunters get sick and they die. And they're like, "Why am I dying? Why is my skin yellow? Why can I just peel my skin off my fucking arm like this? It shouldn't be like a banana peel. What the hell?" 
that's what Chase is doing by seizing any of these assets. Well, folks, if I was mid-tangent, I had to let the dog out suddenly. So if I was mid-tangent, <laughs> that shit's just kind of gone. Now, uh, a Republic has a total ass. Uh, First Republic had a total asset of $229.1 billion as of April 13th. We read that. Our government invited us all to step up as we did. We read that. Chairman and CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. Oh, yes. Um, so First Republic Bank has chronic wasting disease. Like, they're just... All these big banks have this disease, and they're just crumbling in real time. And J.P. Morgan Chase is like, we'll take it. They are the hunters that are eating these chronically wasting diseased deers and wondering why they're getting sick and collapsing. And if J.P. Morgan Chase fucking collapses, good fucking riddance. The only thing good from J.P. Morgan as a man was the railroads, and that's about it. The banking system fucking sucked. Alexander Hamilton should not have been allowed to win. Alexander Hamilton, from the fucking grave, won. America, you're a fucking pussy, and you let the banks win. Pathetic. Pathetic. Absolutely pathetic. You shouldn't have allowed that. And now the banks are failing. But the thing is, the f- the banks are failing on a controlled demolition level. And that's the terrifying thing. So why is it be like, yeah, let the fucking, fuck the hedge funds. Fuck them. Let them go. Let them die. Fuck them all. Let these companies go out of business. Yeah. Well, I can sit here and have the energy all day long. I can't sit here and act like there's not some suspicious about the timing of it. It's very weird. And we'll get into what Janet Yellen had to do with this, too, because she knew. The rescue comes less than two months after Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank failed amid uh, deposit flight from U.S. leaders forcing the Federal Reserve to step in with emergency measures, stabilizing the market. Those failures came after crypto fuse Silvergate voluntarily liquidated. The failed bank's 84 offices in eight states will reopen as branches of J.P. Morgan Chase Bank from Monday, according to the statement. Oh, boy. Now, let's look at the comments. Make it real. While Chase may have taken over the assets and deposit, who is taking over the bad loans? Federal Reserve, unfortunately. The bank created... uh, the bank catered to the wealthy, held their deposits, and offered rates that only the wealthy could qualify for, just like Silicon Valley Bank. Just, uh, or sorry, another bank that catered to the wealthy. We are seeing the banks that targeted the very rich struggling to stay afloat. Shocked? Not at all. Banking for wealthy clients is a one-way transition transaction. These clients were more than happy to deposit their money at First Republic in exchange for a low, for lower loan rates. But the minute it became clear First Republic Bank was in danger, they ran for the doors. They pulled their million. They pulled out their millions, crashed its stock price, and helped expedite its insolvency. Wouldn't surpri- uh, wouldn't be surprised if they used their former deposits to short sell the stock making double or triple from the withdrawal deposits yeah well wall street bets is already on that one homie i got you maybe banks will think twice before they cater to small subgroups that will abandon their favorite bank at a drop of a dime i would abandon my bank at a drop of a dime because i use credit unions so i don't really have a bank uh richard gorman says why brother with the details I am not going to like your comment. I'm one sentence in. I'm already not going to like your comment. The taxpayer foots the bill. No. 
Please correct me if I'm wrong. Do not government agencies work off the tax re revenue? Twist it any way you want, but the cost is paid by the community at large. Yes. So you're justifying stolen revenue, paying off a bank that stole revenue? You fucking retard, you absolute fucking buffoon, you dumb dick, you stupid tard. What a fucking brain-dead whelp of a fucking comment. Yes, every government agency runs off tax dollars that they steal from the taxpayers. Through income, through land tax, through death tax, through sales tax, through a billion, a slew of taxes. In fact, the country that was partially founded on the grounds of saying fuck your taxes is now one of the most taxed countries on the fucking planet. And you're sitting here being like, correct me if I'm wrong, but does the government agencies not steal revenue already? Twist it any way you want, but the cost is paid for by the community at large. You're right. Stolen gains are covering the bill. That's sort of part of everyone's fucking problem here, Richard, you stupid fuck. Did someone school him? Tell me someone shuts him the fuck up. Go woke. You go woke, you go broke. I was hoping somebody would school him because I'm not making an account to fucking school him. And RoboCop says, Failures by lack of commitment, oversight... Have fe have the Fed run political appointees with no banking experience is only exasperating the problems, Orthodox Slav says, or revolving door between the regulators and the regulated, which is better. John Lindbergh says the Fed is the problem. Absolutely. Speaking of the Fed, clueless Yellen fails to starve off bank crisis as First Republic sinks. Janet Yellen has been the treasurer for fucking. Ever, forever. The only time she wasn't in that position is when when Trump took her out of it and Biden put her right back in there. Now, she's known about the banking failing for years, but Janet Yellen is old as dirt and borderline demented. This President Carter and drag-looking whore. Her brain died on her years ago. She's sort of just a clump of corporeal formless cells lumbering around. Like, look. Look at this bitch. Look at this picture of her. God. She was like one of the founding members of uh, Henry Kissinger's little group that would eventually evolve into the World Economic Forum. And now this goofy bitch. Clueless? Clueless is the thing that describes her 99.9% .9 of the fucking time. This is an older article from April 28th. She knew this was coming. The feds knew this was coming. And they wanted this to happen. There are leaders who rise to the moment. Think Churchill and Roosevelt facing down the Nazi threat. Delano Roosevelt was kind of a pussy. Ronald Reagan's famously accurate assessment of the former Soviet Union as an evil empire. The moment... Well, America's kind of an evil empire now. The moment now is also in need of leadership. Does Joe Biden have the chops to face down multiple global threats and secure the, our borders? And does his eco economic team, led by Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, understand what could be in store for the economy as yet another bank heads for failure? Sleepy Joe, of course. <laughs> Damn, New York Post. <laughs> Just kill him, I guess. Sleepy Joe, of course, has been such an obvious disaster. It's hard for even the most mostly coddling White House press corps to ignore his incessant bundling. Yellen, meanwhile, has given up a total pass, has been given up a total pass, even though her stewardship has been quite equally inept. No greater example of Yellen's cluelessness 
can be found than her stunning her stuttering attempts to <laughs> acquittedly deal equitably deal with the still smoldering bank crisis. The same bank crisis she had a hand with in 2008, ma'am. Another bank, another big bank for this republic is heading for government receivership, receivership. As I reported earlier this week on Fox Business, top business execs with direct knowledge of the matter knew First Republic was a goner. It was just a matter of time because its business was beyond repair. Despite that, Yellen led a misguided last-ditch effort to save uh, to save it for no other reason than to save face. She wanted to fool the American people into believing the banking system and even the entire economy was fine when it's not. She thought she, she did it with Obama. She thought she could do it with Biden. Biden is a specific kind of fuck-up. Consider, consider that for weeks now, Yellen's message has been one of optimism. Fed rate hikes cause some financial indigestion, a.k.a. Two mid-sized bank failures. And the worst over, the U.S. economy was poised for a soft landing, slower growth, and squeeze out of inflation, but no steep recession. This rosy scenario was, was predicated in one of her beliefs that the significant banking crisis <laughs> had been a very remember Janet Yellen is the woman from 2010 who said too big to fail everybody remember that too big to fail these banking systems are just too big to fail hey bitch they're failing I believe that the significant banking crisis had been averted the bank lending would soon resume at prior levels the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank weeks ago were one-offs because Yellen and her team swooped in and threw money at the problem, ensuring all deposits, even those above the government limits of 250000 Above and beyond, right? It didn't matter that it was a bailout for rich tech company types with ties to the Democratic Party. Well, that's the only reason they really got it. Systemic risk were averted. Mm, but it wasn't. Happy talk fools no one. That is, until we heard the recent news coming from First Republic, a large regional bank with a once-stellar rep also, dealing with rich people and high-end businesses. It announced last week... Uh, it announced last week that deposit, uh, despite an initial Yellen-inspired private sector bailout, it too is on the brink again. Its clients saw through Yellen's happy talk and yanked their money out and deposited it all in the nearest J.P. Morgan Chase branch. Jeez, it seems like they've been preparing to funnel everything to J.P. Morgan Chase for a long time. J.P. Morgan Chase is absolutely owned and operated by the federal government. They have been for the last 20 fucking years. And this just kind of goes to, you know, deal with all of that. J.P. Morgan Chase branch within minutes... Its stock tanked, more money headed for the exits, which meant First Republic was toast. As this column goes to press, all my sources with direct knowledge of the situation describe First Republic as a zombie bank. It has, been, it has enough cash, maybe, to hang around for a while. Nope, two weeks after this article was published, it shut down. Two and, yep, yeah, just about two weeks. Because it 
its underwater assets depressed by rising rates and underperforming loans, it's too weak to compete if its stock continues to drop. Insolvency isn't far away. These bank executives also say the right thing for Yellen and Co. To, to have done nearly from day one of the crisis was to put First Republic out of its misery and into the government receivership. No, just let it shut down and collapse. How about the government doesn't get involved? It's not that hard of a hard of a concept. Uh, misery and going to government receivership, where depositors were paid off the $250,000 insurance limits and no more. Shareholders were wiped out. And its assets are sold at a discount. Uh, it's all peachy keen for the feds, isn't it? That's what is supposed to happen when you take too much of a risk. Meanwhile, Yellen should have turned her attention to the border implication, to the broader implications of a bank, of the bank contagion, what what it means for lending and the health of the U.S. economy, which isn't good if mid-sized banks keep failing and businesses' lending is sharply curtailed. Until Friday, Yellen was doing the opposite, drooling happy, talk, drooling happy talk about the banking crisis and asking other banks to bail out the zombie. She's also doubling down. I didn't even know the zombie talk was coming up. And I just made the fucking zombie deer comparison. Okay, She also doubled down on her mistakes that caused this banking crisis in the first place, making it more difficult to escape. Recall, Yellen and her team approved the div- uh, proved and devised the Biden spending blowouts that sparked inflation. She probed the Fed to keep printing money well into the COVID recovery, igniting more inflation. She didn't see, uh, she didn't see coming until too late. Bullshit. This was all part of an immaculate design, I assure you. When the Fed needed to stamp out inflation through higher rates, Yellen didn't have. A oh sorry, Yellen didn't even have the rudimentary idea of how the financial system's probing was so damaged, though easy money risking until banks began to fail. First Republic almost became one of those uh, failures, along with Silicon. It did, along with Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, in early stages of the banking tumult. At Yellen's uh, bequest. Execs at J.P. Morgan, Bofa exec, uh, extended the lender, uh, the lender a life a lifeline of thirty billion in deposits on a temporary basis to prop up its finances. So you sacrificed more customers' money. Then Yellen wanted a do-over for First Republic. I am told, aka another private uh, sector bailout. The bankers balked because, unlike Yellen, they can read a balance sheet, and First Republic, as a zombie, is impossible to save. Yellen is finally listening. She heard her team—no, she's not. She heard her team and are working out a plan to shutter First Republic, selling the carcass of the bank to another, more stable player. Now, Yellen needs to start focusing on other problems, uh, other problems— uh, banks, uh, other problem banks, because they are certainly out out there and fi- uh, and figure a way to prop up the U.S. economy, and by all means, don't cover all deposits over two hundred fifty thousand dollars like you did the last time. 
doing so would just encourage more risky. That's what I was saying. When you bail out this bullshit, it doesn't teach a lesson. So even if the government wasn't going to own the banks, I'm still against a bailout. But bailouts come with government ownership. If you have learned anything from all our financial cries over the years, it is that allowing the consequences of excessive risk-taking, losing money and worse, makes it wor- uh, makes for the best type of financial regulation. The bailout-friendly Yellen may not be able to grasp this, but they're harsh, teachable moments. Touch the stove, kiddo. In the meantime... It would be nice if someone also taught Yellen how to read a bank balance sheet. Uh, top three comments. Sam, as I posted before, academics should never be put in positions to actually govern or be in control of any government agency. Only those who have practical, successful experience in the private sector should be able to con- should be considered for those positions. Scott Basinger says... I hear you. I have a former friend who is an asset business professional at a college who recently uh, espoused some trans nonsense. I think that this guy is an example of the type who are teaching students these days. I don't believe he has any private sector experience. If he does, it can't be much either. And bye-bye, Blue State. Oh, we see your comments from time. What's up, bye-bye, Blue State? Those who can do... Those who can't, te- those who can do, don't teach. That's probably what you should have said. But those who, those who can do, those who can't teach. Yeah. Well, the old saying is, "Those who can't do, teach." That being said, I'm gonna wrap this episode up here. There is gonna be more updates about this, and we will. I will sit back and eagerly wait to report on the demise of Chase Bank. That being said, this has been Inside Four Walls. I've been James Madison. I shall catch you guys later. Deuce. <laughs>